Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Catherine and Jerry from Kenya. At 27, Catherine manages a $10 million portfolio at Cellulant, the leading Pan-African fintech company, as a key account manager. Some notable accounts under her belt are Emirates, Bolt, Glovo, and World Remit, collectively collecting payments across over 27 African countries using over 100 different payment methods to receive payments from customers across the continent. Her rapid growth in the payment business was catalyzed by her technical background. As a recipient of the African Leadership University inaugural scholarship in 2015, Catherine studied and graduated with first-class honors in electrical engineering from the Glasgow Caledonian University, spending five years in Mauritius. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to The Everyday Leader. Uh, glad to have you here and really excited to chat with you about your leadership journey so far. Chris, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this. We have maybe crossed paths uh, in Mauritius while you were at the African Leadership University. You were here just a few years ago, and now you find yourself uh, working as a key account manager at Cellulant uh, based in Nairobi. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to there, uh, I'd love to hear maybe a story of an early leadership experience you've had uh, before you got to Cellulant. Do you have kind of an illustrative uh, origin story of how you came to see yourself as a leader uh, at an early age? I do. I do. My, my origin story of leadership um, ties in very well to how I got myself into the African Leadership University and coincidentally how I actually ended up at Cellulant itself. I grew up in Nairobi, uh, Kenya. And I think my entire life I've lived in one house along one street, <laughs> seeing the same people every single day. Um, and so I had a very, very close bond with the area that I grew up in. Now, where I grew up, we had this road um, that in our estate was, was located very close to the, to the slum. Now, I grew up in a, in a suburban estate, but it was located very, very close to, to a slum area. And so a lot of people who moved in from, from the slum came and uh, created what are they called shacks, kiosks, where they would sell things. Now, unfortunately, they created the kiosks right next to the road. And so over the years, with the encroachment um, of a lot of shacks on the road, we had a lot of um, garbage in the, in the trenches along the road. And so growing up, I feel like that was my first my first stint in leadership was seeing that. And I think I remember complaining about it so much uh, to my mom, who turned to me and was like, I mean, if it's bothering you so much, why don't you just do something about it? And I, I, I ended up going to the Nairobi City Council, um, lobbying for, for garbage trucks to come and collect the garbage on the road. They said they didn't have the resources at the time, but they would see what they would do. Um, garbage used to be collected um, every once a month. And when you have the kind of volume of trash being thrown on that road every single day, one month is not nearly enough. I mean, every single day would possibly be the bare minimum. And so I created an organization called Safisha South B, where we lobbied for garbage trucks, and for personnel to be allocated into South B Alco Road 
area. Um, this lobbying, I mean, at the time I didn't realize that this was, you know, my first stint in leadership, but the lobbying and just the drive for us to get this area cleaned up, and mine was a selfish reason because I just felt so embarrassed that my friends uh, would come visit and we have all this garbage and it would be really, really smelly. So I just wanted to do something about about that. Um, we ended up going to the ward, moved from the ward when we noticed they couldn't help, went back to the city council who told us to go to the director of, of environment, the director of city inspectorate. I mean, at this at this point, I remember I used to walk through in Nairobi County, if you know, we have this city hall where all the public officials uh, sit and I would walk through city hall. And for a while, I remember they would, they knew my name on the corridors. They'd be like, oh, Catherine, you're back. And it was, I mean, at this point, I think I started realizing, wow, I've really disturbed these guys. So finally, they sent an official letter um, confirming that, yes, they acknowledged the problem. We got allocated with trucks. We did a, a big campaign um, to start off and said, if you're not going to clean our city, we'll clean it clean to ourselves. Um, we called about 100 uh, residents from around South Bay area, came in and cleaned the trenches clean. So we had donations of garbage bags from the private um, garbage collectors. We had donations of forks, uh, shovels. Um, I think we also had uh, wheelbarrows that came in from a nearby company, a trucking company that was nearby and had some workers. And everyone just kind of came together from the residents in the estates to the, the, the sellers who used to sell on the side of the road, because it was also a problem for them. Came together, we worked on this, and I mean, the, the impact from there was South B was allocated with, uh, with trucks and now currently gets garbage collection, I think, every four days um, on Thursday and I think on Monday. Um, I don't live in South Bay anymore, but that's as as of the time I was leaving, that was the that's what we left. I used that. Um, that was that was part of the story that got me into into ALU, and it was through ALU that I I, I met my network at Cellulent and started working here. So in a way, my first tinted leadership led me all the way to where I am right now. Wow. Well, that is quite a story uh, from you know being annoyed at the garbage outside your your gate to uh, rubbing shoulders with local politicians uh, and administrators who who came to know your name uh, yeah. for good or for bad uh, and then kind of making actual uh, change in the community uh, that uh, still uh, is is there today right. which which is no surprise that uh, that led you then to the African Leadership University and so tell me a little bit more about how that early experience uh, shaped your leadership style. Because as young people, we can uh, be very ambitious and not really, we don't know what we don't know. And we don't uh, foresee you know, potential uh, issues with uh, pushing in, in the wrong, in the right direction, in the wrong direction. Right. Um, so what were some lessons that you took from uh, that kind of community mobilization initiative? So looking back at it now, um, I was I was 17 at the time. I think we just finished school, high school. Um, and, you know, by the time you're, you know, you're pushing for, for you're getting an official letter from the director of city inspectorate, director of environment, you're pushing for donations. I mean, walking around, just getting donations from all these uh, corporations. We had donations from supermarkets, from you know the local uh, garbage, the trucking, the local trucking company, the local garbage collector. 
uh, you, you quickly realize that age isn't a number when the mission is clear. So at the onset, looking back at it now, I realized that the onset, the mission was very, very clear. Safisha South B. So Safisha means clean. <laughs> South B is the area. So, you know, translating, it just said clean South B. And that was a mission that almost anyone who belonged to that community could rally behind because it was very clear. This is there is a problem with our waste management right now. And yes, I want to be a part of the solution that actually helps to to clean that. I might not have the time to give you, but you know what? I have loads. I have a thousand, you know, garbage bags that I could give you so that when you and your friends are going to clean it, you can use that. Getting support, getting support from the local community, you know, was dependent on on the mission being um, very, very clear. Uh, the other thing I think I, I I pulled out of, well, at least in terms of a leadership experience, is is um, the need the need. It's like you're constantly selling to people when you're a leader. Yes, there is a problem, and yes, everyone understands there's a problem. But um, the way we communicate to each other has to change depending on which stakeholder you're speaking to. So. When I sat at the with the director of city inspectorate, it wasn't that um, you know every time my friends come, it's an embarrassment for them to to even just see me living in a in a road with such a poor in such a poor state. Rather, um, the conversation was around. I think I remember at the time there was um, there was general cleaning that was being that was being done in different uh, slum areas, but it was just you know it was like a political show, um, and it was look. This is the the current atmosphere is in in the region is that we need to keep our our country and our city uh, clean. South B has been abandoned in that story, and so we need to be able to rally behind this particular county because this particular area. Because if we don't, then it's going to come and bite. Because how how is it that we had an entire cleaning campaign and this particular area was left behind once the media catches up with the story? So that's what you're telling um, the word and the people at the city annex. Um, when you're coming down to residents and convincing them to, you know, especially for the first time, residents had to come out and, and show their frustration by cleaning South B themselves and show how the city council hasn't done anything. Um, you're selling the story in another way. You're, you know, you're speaking to, to residents and saying, look, um, we want this place to be kept consistently clean. Now, it's not your job to clean but this is how we we make our mark. Um, this is how we tell media and we tell the world, basically, and the government that we are tired of being neglected, especially in this in this particular area. So it was rallying a bit more to their anger uh, on that side. So it's just speaking to people's um, needs at the time. Yeah. Wow. And so you had this great kind of real world experience of leadership and community mobilization, and then you went off to university, uh, mm -hmm. which is often associated with kind of theoretical, uh, aspirational uh, thinking and, and uh, preparation. Uh, so how did you embrace the university uh, experience? And uh, how did you uh, continue to build upon your leadership skills and uh, craft and refine your leadership style during those university years? Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes they say, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Uh, I'm, I always believe that I am lucky to have gotten to ALU. 
because ALU sold us on one mission, which was um, creating this practical way of learning um, and, 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 and impacting um, students or impacting the next generation of leaders with real world skills that we could then move directly from school and go and apply it in the real world. So I was sold on that particular mission. And I think um, realizing with that, going going into the institution um, was very, very focused on having really my, a practical hand in pretty much anything I could get my hands on. So I took up uh, engineering and I, I lived in the lab. I mean, we were building drones. I loved, I, I fell in love with flying objects and, and robotics and figuring out how exactly we could um, use data to make decisions. So I involved myself in a lot of projects. And the beauty about the institution that I, I went to, um, ALU, is that we had access to all these resources. Now, I was part of the inaugural class. Um, that's the, like the first cohort of um, of students that came into ALU. So we had we had we had we were given this budget of, you know run with it. Here's a budget, run with it. So you want to start up clubs because clubs don't exist yet. You want to um, build up projects, projects that we could, you know, later on move on and write papers on, we could record um, and just show the world that it's possible with the right resources for you to uh, do anything that you want. So I, I, I really took advantage of, you know, practical application, even in a theoretical environment. So I really tried my hand in, in a lot of things. And so you also had an opportunity to uh, intern with Cellulant uh, several times during your time at uh, ALU. Is that right? Correct. You've seen my bio. <laughs> I've done my homework. Uh, and so how was that experience? Because um, I, I know you're describing uh, your university years as, as very hands-on and lots right. of resources. Right. Uh, I imagine you're also in class and you're yeah. also learning about leadership skills. Yeah. So how did you connect uh, the theory of leadership and the leadership opportunities you had within the campus mm. and connect that to uh, what you're experiencing now in this real world internship at Cellulant? So um, when I started off, uh, so this is like from the first year, um, I identified Cellulant, applied to Cellulant. I was very, very aggressive with just saying, this is where I want to to be because it was a company in the technology space, um, but also allowed me to explore within the organization where I wanted to be. Because when you're in your first year, you're an intern, nobody really cares that you want to specialize in the marketing department versus the business development department. You just kind of enter and wing it. Um, so my leadership uh, experience theoretically in the classroom was then tested um, at the office which I, I have to I have to admit was like baptism baptism by fire because when you whatever you learn in theory you can you can you might as well throw it out the window by the time you get you get to it practically and I think this is true for pretty much you know scientific scientific exploration as it is um, for anything love and relationships 
getting getting into the into the boardroom into the office space and getting um, the, a chance to apply all of the things that we were learning about leadership communicating for impact um, being able to use data to make uh, correct decisions being able to just work in a team and project manage um, all of these things were put to the test once I got into the into the office space once I had once I had a boss once I had to report to work every day at 8 30 in the morning and leave in the evening at uh, 5 30 p.m sometimes 6 p.m. Having done a considerable amount of work, of which if you don't, um, you risk being fired. You know, it's 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 a different dynamic um, and one that I I wish a lot more people who are currently in the in university can get to experience. It would be one if there's one advice I would actually give a lot of young people, especially if you just joined university right now, is work your ass off to get um, an internship opportunity. Whether you're going to have to work at it for free, honestly, at this point, shouldn't really bother you as much because the experience in the boardroom versus what you're doing in school is going to be so different. But you're going to remember the lessons. You're going to remember, yes, project management, teamwork, um, how exactly you organize yourselves as a team, um, how you communicate within a team, how you get things uh, documented and structured. You're going to have those theoretical skills, but once you get to the, to the room, it just becomes so much different. So you mentioned this, this concept of uh, if you don't uh, work really hard, uh, you, there's a chance you get fired. Was there any other big kind of surprises um, that you you came across as you started to uh, take on these uh, real world jobs and internships? Um, for me, um, I'll probably first give you a bit of backstory because my background is in engineering, and I I feel that you know in engineering school it, it doesn't really matter for one how you write your emails kind of just like you write you write an email to your lecturer you tell them what you want like hi sir you don't even say sir you're just like you know hi chris um when i applied the formula for it it didn't work um and i'm wondering what exactly i need to do to improve that and they're going to respond to you so one of the biggest shocks that i had um also moving from from the classroom to 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 the boardroom was the need to understand a place, uh, an environment's culture. And culture is, you know, the culmination of how everybody works, talks, um, and interacts with each other in a space. I think moving in from the classroom to the boardroom, one thing that was my personal learning learning point was my emails were incredibly rude. I think I had the worst email etiquette of any intern or any entry employee thinking back at it i think it's funny um i would probably i would possibly just you know write you an email say hi chris um have you seen da 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 and you and i don't even know each other like this is the first time we've interacted it's just because someone told me that chris is in charge of a certain uh project um i had the worst email etiquette ever and that was a huge learning because in that point, what you're doing is you're disturbing you're disturbing the environment's culture, and the impact for, from that is and is impacting your reputation in the environment. And once your your reputation is impacted negatively, then you have a lot of work to do to rebuild that. Um, the number of projects that are coming your way don't seem like they're going to come as well. The amount of information that you're getting from the resources around you, the extremely talented people around you, um, don't seem to be coming through, don't seem to be forthcoming. It's going to be very, very hard to, to get that honest communication um, between you and other people. 
Um, I think there are possibly other other impacts um, along that line. Um, so that was a that was a huge learning point, and and beating that for me um, meant working terribly hard to improve my etiquette, not just even in email, but also um, in person, <clears throat> to kind of get an understanding of. Look, everybody in this space, everybody in the room is competent, more competent than you. And so when you're approaching a conversation with anybody, you must come um, come correct. You must come into the conversation first, having an immense amount of respect for the person in front of you because they're here, you know, months, years uh longer than you and they have a lot more experience so that level of respect and amount of hard work that you that you put in just to learn the culture of a place that 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 kind of that changed me i think this is actually a really great point because as much as it might seem like a small detail yeah. uh it it feeds into this uh broader topic of engaging with people in the workplace mm. uh, and there is cultural dynamics related mm. to each company and each team and each uh, person that you that you might uh, engage with whether it's the first time over email or uh, a continuous engagement mm. and um, it's great that obviously you picked up on that in some way and were able to make a change and it's still something you think about until this day and are conscious about so I'm curious how did you become aware of this? Because I imagine in the beginning you weren't aware of it, and somehow uh, someone maybe you know told you, "Hey, you probably should think twice about approaching emails yeah. this way." How did yeah. how did you learn, and and uh, what was that conversation like? That's actually a really good question. Um, I have to reflect on that because it's it's I'm so I'm, I'm very cognizant about my emails these days and just how I interact with someone in a space. Um, as I think about it, maybe I'll just echo. I feel like you're, you're very right. The, the, the cultural difference between the academic academic space um, and corporate space is very different. But then also within the corporate space is going to be different within companies. Um, the beauty and what I'm, I'm hoping for, I hope is true, because as you can see from my bio, I, I got to school. I was very direct about the company I wanted to work for. I started internship there and I now work at that company. Um, my... I have not experienced another company in another space. I've simply just grown vertically within one company. So I'm really looking forward to actually seeing um, from and hearing from other people about you know what kind of culture they experience in different spaces. <clears throat> so so tell us more about what Cellulant does. What what initially attracted you to that? Because I know you just said you did your research, you picked Cellulant, and you were very aggressive. In getting those internships and then once right. you were there you were very uh you know proactive about seeking out uh, what the different opportunities were and yeah. lo and behold you landed uh the full-time role after graduation there yeah. so what does cellular do and um what is your role now um so getting i was attracted to cellular Two key reasons. One is that it's a technology company. And with my engineering background, I felt like I could take on the world. The first thing you learn in engineering school is anything is possible, nothing. You you tell me right now you want us to build a couch. I'm probably going to have to figure out how exactly we can do that. But nothing 
is impossible. We could build a rocket if we want, right? So the the technology space attracted me because it felt like magic. Um, anything is possible. And so I wanted to be a part of Cellulent for that. The second reason is because of Africa. So Cellulent has this mission, you know, um, built uh, in Africa by Africans for Africans. Um, and they provide a technology platform that um, connects payments, um, connects merchants to payment methods across the continent. So if you are uh, an Emirates or a Glovo or a Bolt, and you want to collect payments in Angola, um, and you also want to collect payments in South Africa because you're a multinational. I mean, you're not just thinking about one country, you're thinking about the entire continent. Um, your digital payment solution, a digital payment solution provider really would be Cellulent because Cellulent has this huge connection. We have our tentacles um, pretty much into every single country, um, every single um, asset provider, every bank, every card scheme, every mobile network or telco, every mobile network provider. Um, and we've connected all our payment methods into this big gateway called the Cellulent Payment Gateway that allows you as a multinational merchant to come and with just one API connect to Cellulent and have access to pretty much all the countries that you want. So that's that's in a nutshell what Cellulent does and it attracted me because one, it's tech and then again, it's Africans doing such an, an incredible being in the fintech space um, and being able to serve my continent at the same time just feels, it feels right. <laughs> and how did you go about finding the role that uh, you were both interested in and also the company needed uh, your experience in in uh, uh, executing. Right. Uh, Chris, that one actually wasn't as straightforward. So I, I, I didn't go into Cellulent knowing exactly where I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to be in the tech team um, because of my background in engineering. Um, I realized that's not exactly where I want to be. I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in how... Um, everything works. I'm interested in how we're able to um, configure payment methods for someone, you know, in just two days if they want it. Um, but I really don't want to be the person making those configurations happen. Um, I moved to the marketing team. And this is, see, I did a lot of these things during my internships, not really when I started working here full time. But during my internships, I moved again to the marketing team. Um, I got to discover a little bit about um, how the branding, the importance of branding. Um, I think marketing team was also pretty fun because I got to attend all these social events where we tried to attract um, the long tail merchants, not really the, the top tier merchants, but more than the long tails, branding, coloring, all that stuff. And I think I really tried my hand a lot in social media management as well as um, graphic design and got really, really good at those, at those as well. And then I moved to the business business development department. Now, business development is where I ended up growing in. And I discovered I love this place because in the business development department, um, you must have a good understanding about the solution, the tech, because your objective is to increase um, the bottom line. Your objective is to increase revenue. So you must have a good understanding about the product that you're actually selling. And then you must also train yourself and learn how to be a good listener, a good communicator, so that you can um, solution effectively for businesses. Because when I approach um, Coffee Chat about how you're collecting payments 
um, from all your different customers, it's not going to be a similar case. Your the way you operate your systems isn't going to be the same as when I um, approach um, some nice restaurant that I know. How who do I know? <laughs> Any example? Um, if I approach Microsoft, for example, um, and ask them about how they're collecting payments through their you know app store. So it, it required it required me to kind of stretch myself in terms of my tech knowledge, in terms of my marketing skills, um, my communication skills. Um, I just needed to stretch myself across board, and I really I enjoyed that. So it kind of was a culmination of all the things. So once I got into the BD department, then for me now it stopped being um, the horizontal movements and started becoming more about the vertical growth in this particular area. And so in your role as a key account manager, you have a portfolio of companies, uh, some of which you've mentioned that um, you're kind of responsible for managing, mm -hmm. uh, which I imagine uh, includes uh, engagement with a lot of different stakeholders, both uh, at those clients, but yeah. also within the company. So uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what that day-to-day -day looks like and, and how you go about um, kind of keeping everything together so that the clients do remain uh, good clients and, and expanding clients. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I started off at this role sometime in 2020, actually entering, I've, I've been a key account manager for a year. Um, and I feel like the growth has been very, very rapid. So coming in, you have, you have, you know, long tail you have long tail merchants and then you have key merchants so key merchants are the people who contribute you know your you know a million dollar accounts uh, going up so i look after merchants like bolt uh glovo i look after emirates um world remit um kiku <clears throat> and this is just to name a few of some of the merchants that are under cellulance belts like you know you still have your ethiopian airlines your kenya airways your your jumia as well um so my role uh, and how 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 i've managed to kind of grow in it um is supporting merchants from 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 just the initial conversation from the from the first time when i walked into um your offices and said hi my name is kathy and i you know i just really would like to have a conversation with your operations person and understand where their pain point is, how exactly have you guys been collecting money? You know, <laughs> I've gone to your app. I thought this was a problem. You know, I just have, I just want to have a conversation with you and I want to understand where you are as a business um, up to the point where they have, um, we've done a contract, they've integrated into Cellulent. They are, you know, moving forward with starting to collect payments through this one gateway. Um, and we're now monitoring the service. And now we're starting to think about, okay, so settlement, um, we want to collect money from all these different countries. How exactly are we going to handle the expatriation of funds into your central account? Or do you want the money in your uh, different accounts in the different uh, countries? Or thinking about um, operationally, um, how are we doing the reconciliation and settlement? Because you remember, this is fintech. So we're really having a lot of, there's a lot of finance and accounting, um, mixing that again with technology. So making sure there's platform stability for you, uh, for you, making sure that we have um, all round customer support if there was any downtime. So I'm involved pretty much in, 
you as an account manager you have to be involved in pretty much all the conversations that that account is having so not even the first not the person the person that you met you know the high the person in the operations team in that other company but rather you have to know how how that company is is feeling and breathing in terms of their operations and customer service how is your customers how are they happy how is your management are they happy how is your operations team are they happy um how is your product team the guys who actually did the integration are they happy with the kind of integration we gave you um how could we improve that so it's 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 about having constant conversations with with merchants um about having a lot of empathy and really putting yourself in their shoes because if 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 a client isn't happy about a customer um a customer possibly you know made a payment and got the service and i don't know maybe didn't like something about the food and needed that money refunded back to them um cellular needs to be the one to process that refund and if the customer isn't happy maybe they want the refund processed within Two minutes um and cellular is going to take 30 minutes to do it and they're happy i need to be able to empathize with that and actually get get into the customer's shoes because that 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 emotional um damage that is given to that customer is going to go to my merchant is going to come to me um so i really i think being an account manager just means having a lot of empathy and just understanding um of where other people are at any given time So it sounds like empathy has been a big skill and a big theme uh in in the recent a year as you stepped into this role. Um what other skills are you now hoping to build because as a key account manager you're coordinating a lot of um different departments and functions and clients as you as you've described. Um what what types of skills are you proactively trying to build as you look forward to other types of leadership responsibilities uh in in the coming years. <laughs> As you rightly put it, I I I have been growing in empathy from my emails crisis um all the way to just now understanding customers because you have to customers are not happy at some point and you just really have to just get into their shoes and 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 breathe with them at the same rhythm. Um beyond that um being a, be a being a key account manager is really being a, a master coordinator um and this is also a skill that i am i am continuously learning because the day will come um and if if the rapid growth that i've had to go through now managing a 10 million dollar portfolio within um just a couple of months is anything to go by then you know no sooner you know will i have to start managing a team because the portfolio is going very very big and we'd probably start needing assistance with it um to start managing that but if if the mass if the coordination of the team is anything to go by then there's a lot of learning um that i have to do with regards to understanding and communicating especially communicating cons- consistently communicating the vision um and the mission to to the team around you so that everybody understands why this is important right now why this is urgent right now um and what the different impact is because you know you have to make sure that as a team you're you're living and breathing um in the same in the same vibe to make sure that you all have empathy for the merchant so that if a merchant has has a has a problem and they reach out to to you you're not going to take 2 hours to respond um 
if they have an if they, so if 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 they reach out to you and you take um you know two minutes to respond it means you have the same level of urgency that the rest of the company has so we just have that really nice vibe in terms of um customer understanding and customer empathy um i think the remaining part and i'm very very keen on learning is 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 moving from you know i'm, I'm a global account manager so it means that i look after merchants that occupy more than one country. Um, I think the average number of countries that my merchants look at is six. So my average merchant has at least six countries that they're currently operating in. And so one, this is probably a more technical skill is, is to have a, to build a very, very solid understanding of every single market um, on the continent. Um, so far, I, I, I think because of where my merchants are, my understanding about the payment landscape, um, the asset base, you know, what's what are the banking, what are the regulations in terms of expatriation of funds, what is the banking policy, what is the um, current um, market share for different MNOs. You know, if, if you were to go into this market and you're in the um, mobile gaming space, for example, um, these are the payment methods you should think about you know, getting day one, and then we could move from there and start getting um, different types of payment methods. So having that kind of understanding, market-focused understanding um, as an account manager is very, very important. So, you know, I feel like I'm a, I'm a key account manager with expertise in Kenya, Nigeria, um, Uganda, Tanzania, South Africa, Angola, um, also building a lot of expertise in Ghana, <clears throat> And these are the markets that have been exposed to a lot more. Um, I think also, yeah, Egypt as well. Uh, but there is need. I think I'm also growing and I, I'm, I'm now putting in a lot of deliberate focus to visit markets like uh, Morocco, um, Ethiopia, um, also looking at markets like Sudan, uh, Somaliland, um, Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal. There, there's still a huge... There's still a huge, uh, there's still a long way to go. So I'm really, I'm excited for, for building my, my understanding there. Because at the end of the day, as an account manager, what you really are for all your multinationals is a thought leader when it comes to collecting payments from any pocket on the on the continent. That's fascinating. And and uh, for those who don't know, Cellulent is kind of one of the original fintech companies uh, that's been around the longest. And obviously, just in the past years, uh, past year or so, there's been a huge um, explosion of, of investment in additional fintech startups uh, in the continent. And I'm curious how that has impacted your role, because I'm not uh, an expert by any means, uh, but obviously the investment in alternative fintech solutions uh, must uh, play some role in, in either competition or or on ecosystem development in terms of raising awareness and bringing more uh, different types of merchants, especially the the long tail merchants you mentioned yeah. online, and looking at different um, options. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like how you see this kind of future of fintech in Africa playing out, and and how um, you know you and your your global accounts and uh, the expertise that you're developing across a lot of these markets mm -hmm. is going to play out. I'm 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 also quite excited about the kind of growth we're seeing in the market. So if you look at um, a couple of years ago, um, Cellulent raised um, around 
40, 40 million. Um, and this was, this was, I mean, how many years ago was this? I mean, has it even been five um, years ago where Sedland had raised uh, 40, around uh, for $40 million? For, for $40 million. Um, and yet at that point, this was the highest um, funding round that had ever been done for a fintech company on the continent. And now... Um, we have, you know, fintech companies getting investments, you know, 200 million, 250, 300 million dollars. Um, so the space in just a, a very few number of years has grown exponentially. And so I feel, you know, with for me, I think the space becomes very exciting to play in because one, it's uh, it's lucrative. Um, the knowledge base that 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 as an account manager you get to build in this space um, has a lot of opportunity because there's a lot of funding going into the kind of knowledge that that you have um, in the space um, with regard to the type of technology that could be applied um, to collect payments. Um, as well as the market readiness for the different types of, of payment, digital payment methods that, that could be applied. So I think the, the future the future of fintech for me, um, hard to say because I'm always I'm always speculating when I look at the market and look at how funding is done um, across different different sectors. I'm always like I feel I, I'm personally I think in a way, a pessimist about it, because I'm like, it always feels like a bubble is about to burst, but who knows? Um, I think we should be expecting our first billion dollar funding round to a fintech company um, soon, I guess. <laughs> well, it definitely sounds like you've uh, future-proofed yourself uh, as much as you can. You have a technical background, but you also are gaining these practical skills in sales and marketing. You have positioned yourself in uh the hottest uh, sector uh at the moment uh, and you're uh kind of diversifying your specific market uh knowledge as well so uh it's incredible the speed in which you've grown your career um is there any other kind of learnings that you've had um as you as you leave us uh in a few minutes um I think I've really enjoyed my journey so far. Um, you learn by fire. I think part of one thing I didn't, I probably didn't mention on this recording is that I'd say you let you learn, and probably, possibly, I think across a lot of fintech companies, you learn by by fires, like by hot porridge, which is essential, which is essentially saying um, you're not going through an extensive coaching and preparation round before you get your next assignment um, that elevates you to the next level. You get your next assignment, um, your next project, and then you kind of figure it out as you go along. Um, sometimes you sink, sometimes you swim. But the point is, for me, is as long as I maintain um, my work ethic, make sure, you know, apply yourself, like really just apply yourself. Because when you apply yourself is when you learn, is when you fail, is when you cry, is when you grow. Um, apply yourself and make sure you have fun. So I, 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 I'm just, I'm looking forward to just being able to, 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 I, I've never thought about myself, you know, future proofing myself the way you've mentioned it. Um, I've always just thought, oh, this is exciting. This is really, really cool. I want to be, I want to be here. I have a very, very jumpy personality in that sense. Um, but then I guess, you know, as, as Steve Jobs says, you kind of connect the dots looking backwards. Uh, but, you know, in the space I am right now, I, 
I'm, I'm, I can see, you know, the next 12 months, these are the exciting things I really want to do. I just want to put my head down and work really, really hard um, towards those things. As long as I have fun, as long as I help people, respect people, um, embrace people, I, I guess that's my parting shot. That would also be my parting shot. I would possibly just tell people, enjoy it and work hard. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for reflecting uh, today, Catherine, and uh, wishing uh, you and the team at Cellulent uh, the best of luck in, in the coming years. And I look forward to continuing to follow you on your leadership journey uh, as you uh, span the continent. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me here. I think I really enjoyed the conversation. You, you bring out a reflective part of someone, things they didn't know. <laughs> Glad that we could uh, have a good conversation today. Okay, bye. Bye.